1: My name is Kurt McDonnell. I am one of the pastors here at Gospel Community Church. It is my great privilege uh, to bring to you God's holy, inspired, and uh, inerrant word this morning. We're diving right in. Can we do that? Y'all ready? Let's go. Second Timothy 3:16 through 17 says this: all scripture is breathed out by God. All some scripture? Oh. No, all, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Was it a probable for, for teaching, for reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work? God, okay, get that in your brain. God, the Creator the sustainer of all life the the God who spoke everything into existence has given us a word his word his holy word and it is contained for us in the Bible preserved for us in 66 books which are inspired and errant from God that is great news That God has given us a message in his word. And it is our hope at Gospel Community Church to know that word, to preach that word, to understand that word. That's why we put it right there at the very beginning of who we are. We say we want to know the Bible. Bible. That's that's what we want to know. We want to get this word, this gospel word deep down into our soul. Not so that we can win uh, the, the Bible Jeopardy quiz. We don't just want to know facts about the Bible, but we want to know about Jesus, and the Bible tells us about Jesus. And so our hope, our our aim, our purpose is to get into books of the Bible. And so here at Gospel Community Church, that means for us, we preach exegetically. Mm, big word you can impress your friends with. Exegetical, or to exegete, means to lead out from. That's what that word means. And so what we seek to do, what our desire is, is that we would go to the Word of God and lead out from that. Meaning this, we don't take our ideas and come to the Bible with them. Rather, we get into a Bible text and lead out from it. That's why we preach through books of the Bible. And there's several reasons why we preach through through books of the Bible, and you need to know them. So we're just, again, we're getting right to work this morning. Why does Gospel Community Church preach through books of the Bible? Number one, number one, here we go. If you are taking notes, it sets us up for a more comprehensive view of the Bible. <clears throat> so if, if, you, if you create sermon series um, and, and hop around different topics, or, or again, you want to talk about a, a different idea, um, and, and you go to the Bible and, and essentially hop around it, it's hard to get a comprehensive view of what the Bible says and what the Bible is trying to communicate. So, so the Bible is trying to communicate this story of redemption, right? If you If you want to sum up the entire Bible in one word, it's redemption. And so by getting into a particular book, And getting down into the depths of it and just traveling through it even when passages are confusing even when passages are difficult even when passages speak into uh, our culture in difficult ways that you know sometimes we might not like to talk about when you just get into the bible and get into a book and just travel through it it helps you understand what is understood as the meta-narrative of the bible are you tracking with me this morning so, by going through books of the Bible, it helps you understand the meta narrative of the Bible. Number two, the reason that Gospel Community Church preaches through books of the Bible is it creates an environment of spiritual growth through study and conversation. So, we're going through 1 Corinthians, which means you can go get commentaries, right? You guys are Bible nerds, aren't you? Go get some commentaries on 1 Corinthians, read 1 Corinthians talk about 1 Corinthians. So we're going to be going through it. Uh, We're in the first couple of verses this morning. I doubt we'll even get to the first couple of verses, but um, we're going to talk about the first couple of verses. You can be reading ahead as we go through this book. Then what you're going to do is you're going to go to your community group, because I know all of you here this morning are signed up for a community group. Amen, in Jesus' name. And so you're going to go to your community group, and you're going to talk about 1 Corinthians. We're going to talk about 1 Corinthians Sunday by Sunday, then you're going to go to your group and talk about 1 Corinthians. So what it does for us as a church is it sets up an environment for spiritual growth because we're studying a particular book, and you're going to go into your community groups and study that same particular book. Number three, this is a good one. It saves the people from the theological, social, or philosophical tendencies of the pastor or culture. I got things that I like to talk about. There are even things that I think I'm good at talking about. (laughs) And so what would happen is I would probably just stick to those areas that I think I have something to say. Right? Does that make sense? But what this does is it forces me, it forces us to go into topics that I might not think about talking about. So, it saves the congregation from me just getting on my hobby horse. Uh, It saves the congregation from me just standing on my soapbox and talking about the things that I like to talk about. In addition, it also saves us from talking about what the culture is talking about. The the culture has a message. The culture is talking. The culture is saying something to us through movies, um, through music, through television, through. Through all of these outlets, the culture is communicating something to us. And so what we could do is just stop and pause and talk about what the culture is talking about. But instead of doing that, what we're going to do is talk about what God wants us to talk about, which is his word. Amen? Amen. So it, it saves you guys from, from me and the culture. <laughs> Fourthly, why do we preach through books of the Bible? Is it, a, it is a visible act of submission to God by trusting in its sufficiency it's a visible act as as we sunday by sunday open up god's word we believe that every passage every verse every word has a life giving hope bringing Gospel-centered message for us. We believe that. We believe that about God's word. We believe in its sufficiency. And so by preaching through books of the Bible, by preaching through the text, as we come to it, we just believe, even though sometimes it's confusing, even though sometimes it's difficult, we believe that that particular text has a life-giving word to bring to us. And so we open it up. And so it's not dependent. Listen, it's not dependent upon the eloquent oratory, or the lack thereof, of the preacher. It's it's not dependent on on me having something brilliant to say. I don't have anything brilliant to say. I'm a redneck from Georgia, okay? I'm, I'm uneducated. I got nothing good for you. But if I will simply open up God's Word and just say what it says, then you'll find hope and have a blessing. Amen? And so, that's why we at Gospel Community Church are dedicated to preaching through books of the Bible. Today, we begin 1 Corinthians. So, today is Introduction Day. Uh, today is Background Day. What I got for you today is history and geography, okay? Yes. Uh, 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 wait, I, I got Bible and Gospel. I got, I'm going to do that. Y'all know I'm going to do that. But also, also, I'm going to do history and and geography. So, in your mind's eye, in your mind's eye today, I want you to, to see Corinth. I want you to see the city and understand the people that this letter is written to, because by seeing Corinth and understanding um, who this letter is written to, it will help you understand the letter. So, today, I want you to see the temples that are devoted to their gods. I want you to taste the salt coming off of the Mediterranean Sea. I want you to feel the hustle and bustle of this busy seaport and get down into understanding where Corinth is, what this city is like, what these people are like. So when the Apostle Paul says things, it makes more sense and the Bible text comes alive to us and ministers to our hearts. Amen? So that's, that's why we're doing this. That, that's, that's why we do introductions to books, so that we can understand the place, the people, so that when Paul speaks, when the Bible speaks, we understand more and have a more comprehensive idea and view of, of what is in store for us. So I got history, geography today. I might even surprise you with some maps. I got maps today, y'all. I'm excited about maps. Here we go. Okay, let's travel back in time this morning. Here we go. All the way back to 146 B.C., Right? We're, we're in our time machine going back. If you're taking notes, a couple of important dates for you to have in mind. In 146 BC, Corinth is totally destroyed in a war with Rome. So th- there they are. They are Greek, uh, Greek city-states. We you don't know, uh, Corinth is located in Greece. These Greek city-states are fighting against the, the massive empire of Rome, And Rome goes in there and just tears them up, wears them out, and the entire city is totally destroyed in 146 B.C. In addition, they kill all of the men and sell all of the women and children off to slavery. That's what happens in in 146 B.C. From then, the city essentially of Corinth sits in ruins until 44 B.C. when Julius Caesar founded it as a Roman colony because of its strategic position, uh, which which we will talk about, okay? So you got 146 B.C., you got 44 B.C. Then finally, in 50 A.D., the Apostle Paul rolls in into the church in, in Corinth, okay? To, to, to the city of Corinth to plant a church. So totally destroyed, lays in ruins, and then in 44 B.C., It's resurrected by the Roman Empire, so so now it's essentially a a Greek people, um, but Roman ruled and occupied, and that's what Paul walks into, this this massive, massive city. Let's take a look. We're going to get into Acts today. I know we are supposed to be talking about corinthians but we're going to go to acts because the book of acts explains to us what happens when paul gets to corinth and the planting of this church which is the church that he writes this letter to can we do that today can we get into acts you want to get into acts today okay acts one one person wants to that's good thanks dave (laughs) appreciate that okay one more good uh that's two we're off to a good start acts 18 here we go acts 18 i'm going to read verses one through four after this now if if you are good Bible students, when you read after this, you ask what after what? After, after the radical conversion of the apostle paul yeah. after after Paul, who hated Christians, who was hunting down Christians, who was killing Christians, after he is met on the road to Damascus, and Jesus shows up and radically changes his life forever, and he becomes a Christian, then he begins to preach and teach and plant churches. Uh, he goes here, he goes there. I mean, this this dude is the greatest missionary who ever walked the face of the earth, other than Jesus himself. Th- this guy is absolutely incredible. Um, after he had been stoned, they they <laughs> he. He gets rocks thrown at him so hard that they think that he's dead and they drag the Apostle Paul out of the city thinking that he's dead and the, the saints gather around him and he just gets back up and gets back to preaching the gospel and planting churches. After that happened to him, um, he goes to, uh, to Athens, uh, doesn't have much success there, but after Athens, then he goes and, and goes into Corinth. <clears throat> Acts 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth and he found... A Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Um, So what was happening is Christianity had exploded and and spread all throughout the Roman Empire. And there in Rome, uh, in Italy, these Christians were going into the synagogues and telling all the Jewish people that the Messiah had come. Uh, Some of the very religious Jews were then dragging those christians out of the synagogue stoning them flogging them beating them throwing them off cliffs and needless to say that was kind of like causing a disturbance And so because it was causing a disturbance in the city, this Emperor Claudius just started kicking people out of Rome, right? Christians, you get out of here, you guys are gone. And so what happens is, if if you know your geography from from Italy, they go over to Corinth. That's where Priscilla and Aquila end up landing because they get kicked out of their city. And it just so happens, right, just so happens that Paul bumps into Priscilla and Aquila, this, this dynamic missionary team is now a trio and Paul finds Priscilla and Aquila in Corinth and, and they just so happen to like do the same job and they're all Christians. And right, it just so happens. Y'all don't believe that. It did not just so happen. That, that was, that's what God did uh, through his grace. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them because they were of the same trade. They were they were tent makers or leather workers. That's that's what they did. He stayed with them and worked with them. They were tent makers by trade, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. Verse five. <clears throat> when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word. So. So this trio, Priscilla, Aquila, and Paul, who were there in Corinth, um, reasoning in the synagogue, explaining to them that Jesus is the Messiah. Right? They, they got this ministry team. They get reinforcements. Silas and Timothy show up to help them plant this church in Corinth. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he, look what he does. He shook out his garments. That's a, that's a symbolic way of saying, I'm out. That, that's a symbolic way of saying, I'm done with y'all. He, he shakes out his garments. Look at, look at what he says. He says, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. <clears throat> and he left there and went to the house of a man named Tisius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Okay, so... He goes there, he's in the synagogue explaining to them that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the the long-awaited Messiah that they've been looking for. And they don't believe him, and they're not pumped up about it. And so they kick him out. And so he goes next door, like synagogue, right next door, boom. He sets up shop there in, in this dude's house. Now, you could look at that and say, that's kind of that's spiteful, man. <laughs> that's kind of cold. That's, that's a little dirty, man. Why would you go right next door? That's... Have you read Romans chapter 9? Paul begins by saying, I wish myself accursed and cut off from Christ if only my kinsmen would know him. He, he loves the Jewish people. He's not spiting them. He's staying as close to them as he possibly can so that if they just so happen to change their mind, he'll be right there. Amen. He moves next door and continues to preach the gospel of the Messiah, the Messiah that had come. So he goes right next door. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own hands. I am innocent from now on. I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house. Of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God, his house was next door to the synagogue. Listen to this, verse 8. Crispus, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord. <laughs> the ruler of the synagogue got saved. I mean, he, he's there, he's preaching, he's teaching, and the ruler of the synagogue gets converted and, and moves next door. And, and they've got to they've find a new, a new synagogue ruler and many of the corinthians hearing paul believed and were baptized the the church is planted and begins to grow as the ruler of the synagogue jews come in greeks come in romans come in all because this is a bustling busy city port i mean there's all kinds of people coming to know jesus and coming into uh, this this church now if you're familiar with Acts, you know that usually what happens is once the church starts to grow, there's kind of a big giant riot and Paul gets, you know, beaten, dragged out of town. It doesn't go well. Look at, look at what happens in Acts 18, chapter nine, or, uh, eighteen verse 9. Sorry. And the Lord said to Paul, one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. God promises him that it's going to be okay. That that he's going to protect him as he preaches the gospel. He's going to protect him as he plants this church in Corinth. He's going to protect him as, as the church grows, as disciples are made. This is the promise of God given to him. There in Corinth. look what happens next is it's good that, that he got that promise. but when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews or uh, that, that would be the, the Jewish leaders, uh, most likely the leaders there in the synagogue. the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal. he, he gets dragged, Paul gets dragged into court. Why did they drag him into court? Well, saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. What was Paul preaching? Paul was preaching that Christ had fulfilled the law. And so these Jewish rulers, these Jewish leaders were upset that Paul was preaching that and saying that it was contrary to God and the worship of him. But when Paul was asked to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, this, this leader Galio said to the Jews, if it were matters of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O oh Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names in your own law, see to it yourselves. He, he said, nah, I'm out. No thanks. That's that's on y'all. Y'all deal with that. I, I don't want anything to do with that. Again, he he's a, a Roman ruler over this province, and and it makes sense for him just to stay out of that business, right? Why would he want to speak into that, cause division, cause turmoil? He, just, he wants to keep everything at peace. So Gallio says, y'all, y'all deal with that yourselves. I'm, I'm out. It's interesting what happens next. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they, we're assuming that this they here refers to the Jewish leaders, because that's who they were just talking about and they all see Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and, and they put a beating on him. The text actually doesn't tell us why they decide to, to beat up Sosthenes. It just says, uh, Galio, th- this Roman ruler, kicks everybody out of the courtroom, and they all decide to beat up Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue. Now, we can make an assumption on this, but we don't really know why. The assumption would be... Uh, because the court case got kicked out. They, they were trying to attack Paul. They were trying to get Paul beaten up. They were trying to get Paul kicked out of the city. But Gallio kicks the court case out, and so they all decide somebody's getting a beating today. <laughs> and because Sosthenes didn't handle the court case right, Sosthenes, he, he gets teared up, right? Let's, let's jump to, to Corinthians. Okay, look at, look at this. 1 Corinthians. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother, Sosthenes. Track, track this. So Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue in Corinth, he gets saved. <laughs> he goes next door to the house of Titius Justice to join the church. The synagogue has to appoint a new ruler. Who do they appoint? Sosthenes, Sosthenes is trying to lead the synagogue, and all of a sudden, all the people turn on him. He gets beaten up, and for whatever reason, we don't know all the backstory because the Bible doesn't fill it in for us. But what happens is he comes to Christ too. <laughs> I mean, this this is incredible. This is incredible what happens there in this town of Corinth when the powerful message of the gospel comes to town. It totally transformed everything. You've got all of these different people, all these different races, all these different cultures coming together, united under the power of the gospel. And Christmas, old Crispy, he gets saved. <laughs> then, then, I got funny names today. Then Sosthenes, he gets saved also. And, and there it is, the birth, the planting of the church there in Corinth. He's there for 18 months, a year and a half there, uh, which, which is unusual for Paul. He, he moves around a lot. He, he's, I mean, he goes in, preaches the gospel, people get saved, he plants the church, appoints leader, and he's leaders, and he's out. But, but he's there for uh, an extended period of time for the apostle Paul. He's there for 18 months. Then he leaves Corinth and goes to Ephesus, and then we get this letter from Paul to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians, if you're, if you're taking notes. Somewhere around 55 AD, 54, 55, commentators go back and forth. Somewhere around 55 AD, in Ephesus, the mighty Apostle Paul pens this letter to the Corinthians. As a sidebar, this actually isn't the first letter to Corinthians. Uh, if you go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, you'll see Paul actually refer to another letter that he had written to Corinthians, but uh, we don't have that letter. The Holy Spirit did not preserve that letter for us. Um, but because this is the first letter that we have, it's called First Corinthians. Right. So, sidebar officially over. Let's ask this question: Why are we going through First Corinthians? There's uh, there's 66 books in the Bible. We we can take our pick, right? We're we're deciding what book we're going to go through, um, and, and the elders of the church uh, have decided that, that we want to get down into and go through 1 Corinthians. So why, why are we doing 1 Corinthians? Jot this down. Our desire is to be a multicultural and multigenerational church that puts the gospel on display. The reason that we're going through 1 Corinthians is because we want to be a multicultural, multi generational church that put the gospel on display. So, as we look at the church in Corinth, the church in Corinth was multicultural. I mean, you're talking about a busy seaport, people coming in from all over the Roman Empire. We know that there were Jews in the church. We know that there were Greeks in the church, We know that there were Romans in the church. There's all kinds of different cultures, all different, views all different. Li- I mean they're all coming in there together. and how are all of these people who were so radically different, how were they being together, functioning as a family? Because of the gospel, that's why. That's why. In addition, we know that this is not only a multicultural church, it's also a multigenerational church. We know that because the Apostle Paul addresses specifically single women. He talks about young single women. He he, uh, discusses virginity. He He discusses celibacy. Also, he addresses young single men, right, young people. And then he goes on to talk about married people, older married people. So, so this is not just a young church, but this is a, a young and old church together. So it's multicultural, it's multi-generational. Okay, but, but this church in Corinth was not putting the gospel on display. We're gonna find a church that's wiling out. We're gonna find a church that's off the rails, off the chain, going crazy, doing a whole bunch of stuff they ought not to be doing, okay? That, that's what we are going to discover. So the reason <laughs> that we are studying 1 Corinthians is because of this. We're taking notes. We are studying 1 Corinthians as a case study of what not to do as a multicultural and multigenerational church. <laughs> We're going to take a look at this multicultural, multigenerational church and go, let's not do what they did. <laughs> let's not do that at all. So that's why... We're studying this great book. So now we know the date of 1 Corinthians, thereabouts. Um, we know why we are studying it. Let's, let's ask this question. Are y'all still with me? Y'all sleeping? Okay, y'all aren't sleeping on me yet. Let's ask this question. Why does Paul write 1 Corinthians? What's, what's the occasion of this letter, 1 Corinthians? Why, why is he writing it? Um, I, I've got three big ideas to share with you on exactly why. He's writing this letter. Number one, he's writing this letter to answer their questions. If you jump over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 verse one, uh, he said, Paul says this, "Now concerning the matters about which you wrote. So in chapter seven, he starts to answer their questions. They, they Apparently Paul left and went to Ephesus and once he had gone, they decided, man, we, we've got a lot of questions. <laughs> about what it means to follow Jesus and, and there's like marriage and these people over here are like sacrificing food to idols and uh, like we don't believe in those idols. Is it cool to eat that food? What? We got questions, Paul. So they write him a letter. And so a part of this starting in chapter seven is he's he's responding to them. So about your questions about marriage, about your questions about food to idols, about your questions about uh, he talks about head coverings, and y'all, y'all got to be there the Sunday we talk about head coverings. This is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting. You're not going to want to miss it. Okay, so he's writing to answer their questions, but he doesn't start answering their questions until chapter 7. He got six chapters of stuff that he's got to say, and, and it's really the main reason for this letter. So So number one, he's writing to to answer their questions, but number two, which is really the main reason, he is writing to reform. He's writing to reform this church, this messed up church, this jacked up church, this church that is full of sinners, people who are off the rails. Now, what I find so incredibly interesting, and please get this church, people. These people are royally messed up. They are walking in some serious sin, yet, listen, the apostle Paul still calls them a church. Amen. Why is that? Because the church is full of messed up people. Yeah. That's why. So he is he is writing to reform them. Uh, just listen to this. They're they're suing each other. The church and court. The, the church members are dragging other church members into, into the courtroom. They're, they're suing each other. They're creating a class system in the church, meaning uh, these, these are like super awesome spiritual Christians and these are just regular ones down here. And the super awesome spiritual Christians, they get, they get preferential treatment and these, these over down here, you know, they get to take out the trash, you know. They, they, were, they were creating a class system. Listen to this. They were getting drunk and feasting at the Lord's Supper, right? They don't, they're, they're not like secret Baptists like we are. We do grape juice here. No, no. They did the, they did the real stuff. And they were overindulging at the Lord's supper, and the upper class, like super spiritual Christians, they were getting hammered. While the lower class Christians, they weren't getting anything at all. So they were getting drunk and feasting, while other Christians in the church weren't getting anything or any food or nothing. That's that's what was going on in this messed up church. There were divisions in the church. There was this group that said, "Why well, follow Paul?" Another guy said, "Why." Well, who cares about Paul? I follow Apollos. And then there was like the really spiritual ones that said, we don't follow Paul or Apollos, we follow Christ. You know, <laughs> take that. There, there were divisions. There, there were these camps inside the church. They weren't united. So again, they were suing each other. They were creating a class system. They were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. Uh, there was divisions. Um, he, he addresses sexual immorality on multiple occasions because that was going on in the church. There was even a case of incest in the church. Where where a man had his mother, and nobody was saying anything about it. There was no church discipline. They they were just they just let that ride. They they just let that one go. That it was a messed up church. Okay, that's that's what's going on. So, not only is he writing to answer their questions, but he's also writing to reform the church because um, he had heard what was. What was going on they were not acting very christian like they were acting like corinthians even though they were christians number three third reason that he is writing he is writing to instruct these are very worldly minded uh, people in corinth and they had taken that worldly mindedness into the church and that worldly mindedness was having very difficult time wrapping itself around the idea that that jesus would bodily return and that there would be a physical resurrection they were having a very difficult time believing that and so when you get into acts or when you get into first corinthians chapter 15 paul begins to go on this rant about the resurrection you you got to go read first corinthians chapter 15 where, where he outlines the beauty of the resurrection, the truth of the resurrection, just line after line of evidence he gives for the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and why the physical body bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ means that we too will have a physical bodily resurrection on the day of the Lord. Amazing chapter. I, you've got, if, you, if you're excited about the head covering week, you've got to be even <laughs> more excited about... That, that week when we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when he outlines <clears throat> the resurrection of Christ. So, he's writing to answer questions, he's writing to reform, in addition, he is writing to instruct. Now, the moment you've all been waiting for, maps. Now, we have to understand the location of, of where corinth is because again it is vital to understand why the apostle paul is is addressing them in this particular way so what we're going to do? we're going to look at a map it's going to be kind of zoomed out a little bit we're going to talk about the surrounding pieces and then there's there's another map just calm down calm down everybody calm down there's another map where we're kind of we're going to zoom in on uh on corinth itself and, and kind of look at it so uh, let's go ahead and get that map up there This, this is really just kind of to orient you to, to where it is um, So this section here is, is going to be uh, northern Africa um, Obviously you've got Italy over here, Italy and Rome Turkey here, way down here, Israel in the Jordan, Lebanon You kind of got that And then I have uh, placed this beautiful red arrow You're welcome This shows you exactly where Corinth is Right, Just below, so there's Athens you go down uh, this little isthmus, ooh, you, you remember that from geography? This little isthmus, <clears throat> you go down that way. I can't spell that, just so you know. I tried several times and it kept auto-correcting me. Um, now, Corinth is, is just down there. So what you need to know about Corinth is if if you're going from uh, Syria, Turkey, uh, Israel, uh, Cyprus, if you're going from there to Rome, or if you're going from Rome to Anywhere over here, you go through Corinth. You go through Corinth. You, you go down this way, and you sail through here, and you go over that little tiny stretch of land to get to anywhere else over here, and you do the same thing if you're in Israel, Lebanon, Turkey, and you're going to go to Rome, the center of the ancient world. If you're going there, you go through Corinth. Not only is it an east-west, west-east, like crossroads, it's also a north-south. Like, if you're down here and you're going up that way, you, you, go, you go through Corinth. Everything went through Corinth. Now, let's zoom in and, and talk about why. So, there it is. There's Greece. <clears throat> uh, this is northern Greece, southern Greece. Again, it's connected by this little strip of land right here. It's actually only about four to five miles wide. And if you're sailing, again, from, from over there in Italy, or if you're sailing from over here, uh, again, Turkey or wherever, you're going to go through here. Why? Because down here, this cape down here, I mean, massive winds, um, the sea is very rough, and so you don't want to sail around the cape. So what you do is you come through here. Now, there's two ways in the ancient world that they got across this little isthmus. Um, One way was if you had a really light ship full of cargo, what they would do is they would pick up your ship and put it on rollers, and there was a a five-mile-long road that went from this harbor over to this harbor, and they would just... Straight up roll your ship right across and then put you back in the harbor and you would go. The other way they would do it, if you had a larger ship or more cargo, is you would sail into here, uh, you know, go to that harbor, then you would just put all your stuff on carts and cart it across over to this harbor and then sail on your way. Not only was going around this way very, very dangerous, it, it, it was also an additional six days to sail around. So that's why everybody went through Corinth, east to west, north to south, This is the crossroads that everyone went through. Again, meaning that this city is incredibly wealthy. Incredibly wealthy city. Not only is it incredibly wealthy uh, because of of all the trade, but if if you're taking notes, not only did Corinth get its wealth from trade, but it also hosted the Isthmian Games. You guys know about the Isthmian Games, don't you? Of course you do. Second only to the Olympic Games. I mean, like athletic competitions, um, archery, fighting. Uh, they even did musical competitions and poetry readings, which, which brought in thousands and thousands and thousands of people to view these games. And outside the arena, they had all these, these stands where you could go and get something to drink or get something to eat. I mean, this, it, it was very, very large city. Um, some some like, historians think that they had somewhere like 400,000 people in the city. 400,000 to 600,000, that's even large for a city today. It, it was a massive city that hosted these games and it brought in all these vendors to, to serve all those people, but not only did it bring in a bunch of vendors, but you also had tradesmen, you had blacksmiths, you had porters, you had dock workers. I mean, just again, the idea here is for us to understand this bustling city of Corinth and the massive scale and the massive size of, of this city. So the people in the city, what were they like? What were they like? Well, jot this down. The, the Corinthian people were entrepreneurial, right? Why? Because it's a massive trade city. There, they, they host the Isthmian Games. There's, they're entrepreneurial. They're competitive. They're consumeristic. They're self-promoting. They're cutthroat. And they were famous for their sexual immorality. Church family, This letter was written a long time ago, but does it sound like it's speaking into a culture that we are familiar with? To Corinthianize became a slang term all around the Mediterranean for being sexually immoral because of the reputation of that city. They would say, have you Corinthianized, meaning have you cheated on your spouse? Have you Corinthianized, meaning have you been sexually immoral? That that was the reputation of that city. As a matter of fact, there stood a 2,000-foot-high mountain in the middle of Corinth that dominated the skyline. And on top of that mountain was a temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And the temple was served by 1,000 priestesses who also served as prostitutes. Incredibly immoral city there in Corinth. Why do I share that with you? Why is it important that we understand the location, the geography? Why is it important that we understand the people, how, how decadent they were, and, and how self-serving and self-pleasing? Why is it important that we understand? It's important that we understand because this is the culture into which Paul preaches a gospel of a humiliated savior. P- people who wanted to be elevated, people who wanted wealth, people who wanted it all, Paul is saying, Come and die. That, that's, that's the message that he is preaching to Corinth. The people that were concerned with status, Paul is preaching a gospel of self denial to a people who loved self indulgence. That's the same thing we do, people. This is the same gospel that, that we're preaching into the same type of culture. Paul preached about a crucified man mocked and beaten to a people concerned with comfort. That's exactly what we must do, church family. See, what he was doing, a gospel that says, come and die, when they wanted their best life right now. A a gospel that says, sacrifice when all the culture desired was wealth. To a people that was all about excess and success, wealth, fame, and power, Paul said, just like Jesus, come and die. And it's the same message that we must preach to a culture concerned with itself, to, to a culture concerned with Comfort and consumerism, we must say, no, no, there is not joy there, there is not happiness there, there is nothing there. It is all empty and vain. What you must do is come and die. What you must do is give your life to Jesus. What you must do is give it all away for the King who reigns. Amen. That's why, listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Listen to what Paul says. And and I, when I came to you brothers. Did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. These people that love lofty speech and wisdom, they love excess, they love comfort, they love sexuality, individuality, they're all about that. Paul says, no, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with lofty speech. He didn't didn't come that way, for I decided to know nothing of people that loved wisdom, of people that loved fancy, of people that loved decadence. He, He says, i just I just came in and and preached the gospel. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in power and strength and might. No, no, no. he He walks into this bustling, overcrowded city full of decadence and sexual immorality. And what does he do? I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. He doesn't come in with power. He doesn't say that he's the biggest and the baddest and the best and the most impressive. As a matter of fact, if you know Paul, if you know the Apostle Paul, you know he was a little short man with a crooked nose. He, 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 he was not pleasing to the eye in any way for a culture and a people that loved the beautiful, that loved the voluptuous, that loved the sexual. There, there's this little crotchety old man with a crooked nose coming in in weakness and fear, but he preached Jesus Christ and him yeah. crucified.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So we're not getting to the text today. Now, <laughs> what are we to do with these things? What what type of practical application do we have? What, what are we leaving out of here with this morning? Well, well, three things. One, here's what you can do go read First Corinthians. You gotta read it. You gotta read. You gotta go read it. It it is. It's compelling. It's filled with hope. It's filled with rebuke. It, it's got. I mean, it's got it all. It, it is an amazing book. Go read First Corinthians. I've been. I, I've got. Who got the Bible app? You got the Bible app, right? I, I take my earbuds and put my earbuds in, and I just hit play. And it, it will. It, you don't even have to read it. That's how lazy we are. You you don't even have to read. It will read it to you. you it, I'm an auditory learner, and so it's actually more helpful for me. But I, I put my earbuds in, and I hit play, and it, it just reads the whole book to me. And then I start it back over, and I just do that again. I do that again. I've done that dozens and dozens of times uh, j- just this week. Go read the book. Go read it. On your lunch break, read it. When you, when you get up in the morning, before you get out of bed, read a section of 1 Corinthians. You've you got to get down into this book and read it because there is so much. There's so many riches, so many riches about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In this book, number two, what are we to do with this? Pray for unlikely people to be saved. Just good, okay. I'm, I'll read some of the text. I'll read some of the text. First Corinthians chapter one, verse one. Paul, you can stop right there. That dude. That dude was so unlikely to be saved. He hated Christians. He was chasing Christians. He was killing Christians. He didn't want any part of it. But Jesus showed up and changed his life forever. Then what happens? He goes to Corinth, and a really unlikely guy, Crispus, I already told you about old Crispy, he was there, and he was the most unlikely guy to get saved. He he was an ardent Jew, the leader of the synagogue. He gets saved. And then Sosthenes, the guy that replaced Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, he gets saved. Pray for unlikely people to get saved. That's what we can do with, with this book and what we looked at this morning. And lastly, this. Lastly, and I'm, I'm out of here. Here we go. Number three. Believe in the power of God that says, come and die for the cause. That is the cause of Christ. Believe in the power of the gospel that says, come and die for the cause to a culture that says, live for comfort you believe that? You believe the gospel is powerful? Do you believe the gospel can change lives? Yeah. Do you believe that even though the culture says life is, should be all about comfort and ease and make it easy and how much money can we get and how big of a house can we find and how nice of a car and, and let's just keep swiping the credit card, do you believe that the gospel is powerful enough, the gospel that says come and die, the gospel that says bow the knee to Jesus, the gospel that says give it all away, do you believe that that gospel is powerful enough to transform a culture? to transform a people, to transform a life. We believe that at Gospel Community Church. We believe that the gospel is that powerful. So don't you give up on your family member. Don't you give up on your dad who's not saved. Don't you give up on your spouse that's not saved. Don't you give up on your coworker that's not saved. Don't you give up on a culture that, that is constantly looking to celebrity and money and wealth and power and fame. The apostle Paul did not give up. On that culture. He went into that culture. He preached the gospel to that culture. And from that bustling, busy city, port, town the gospel expanded and went and grew. And we're here today because of it. We're here today because of it. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for preserving this great book for us. Lord, we didn't get very far in it this morning, but... one word paul but lord may you give your blessing to this study of first corinthians i ask now that your spirit would rest upon the elders of this church as we teach through this book may we at least seek to mind the depths of its beauty and wisdom though we will never reach it may the people of this church be blessed and enriched may they see the beauty of christ and him crucified May we be challenged by our own views of sexuality. May we be challenged by our own views of singleness and marriage. And Lord, challenge us deep in our hearts, in our lives, to practically live out what you bought, which is us, the church. Lord, come now in, in a special way to minister to us, to minister to the broken, to minister to the needy, to minister to those who are lowly in heart. We love you, Lord, and we, we dedicate this church, we dedicate this series through 1 Corinthians to you in your honor and in your name we pray.
0: Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.